Hey, hey, friend, don't go anywhere. You are not going to want to miss this interview. Recently, I had the great opportunity to sit and talk with author Amy Wineland Daughters. This woman is hilarious. She is going to make you laugh. She's going to make you think. And she's probably going to make you bust out that stationery like it's 1992, like back when we used to write letters because, well, internet, mm-hmm. Some people don't remember those days, but there were days where it was not so easy. Amy is a joy. You're going to love listening to this and her story that came out of her most recent book, Dear Dana, The Time I Went Crazy and Wrote All 580 of My Facebook Friends a Handwritten Letter. This is a beautiful chance to hear the story behind the story. And also, she's going to give us some great tips on how to walk with a friend when they go through grief, because that can be so incredibly hard. Oh, and did I mention that Amy and Dana were just recently featured on The Kelly Clarkson Show? That is right. If you are listening to this in real time, literally two days ago, this guest, Amy Daughters, was on The Kelly Clarkson Show. She's a rock star. You're going to love this. Stay tuned. You're going to get great value from this interview, and you're going to laugh a lot too. So let's talk about crafting some deep friendships in a world that has gone shallow. Welcome to the Intertwined Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Zentz. I am a wife and a mom on a mission. I've got a passion to help women discover practical ways to apply the power of God's word to our everyday stuff. I truly believe that our walks with the Lord should be seamlessly intertwined with our everyday lives. It should affect every move we make and every breath we take. So come on, let's do life together. You've got this, cause he's got you. So greetings, friend. Greetings, friend. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Amy daughters. I am so glad that you are here, that you're on the show, that you took time to do this with me. Um, people are going to love you. They're going to love you so much. I listened to a couple interviews you did on a few other shows and was like, that is absolutely must have her. So the main thing we're going to be talking about is your newest book, Dear Dana, right here. That Ooh, time I got I one too. Yay. And everyone listening can get one too at the link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that time I went crazy and wrote all 580 of my friend Facebook friends a handwritten letter. That I mean, obviously you see that and you're like, oh my, what is what is she going into? So I really want to dig into that. It's going to be a great jumping off point for a lot of other conversation here that I know we're going to be able to touch on. That's hilarious and also very serious all at the same time. But before we do that, would you just share a little bit about yourself, who you are, what's brought you to this point on your journey? Okay. Yeah. My name is Amy Wineland Daughters and I'm a freelance writer and a sports journalist and now an author of two books. Okay. And uh, what got me into writing was I have a business degree and we actually, my husband's company moved us. I was about, we were about 10 years in our, into our careers um, in Houston and our husband, my husband's job said, do you want to go to England for three years? We we're like, cool. cool. We have one yeah. little kid. And, uh, so we went to the UK, you know, work visas as they are, I did not have one. So all of a sudden I was 
unemployed and not sure what to do. So I went to the local university, took history classes, and then I'd always like to write. Like I was always a person at work who would send an email and like I'd read it and think I was funny and be like, mm-hmm. oh, this is so good. And I'd reread it seven times. And so I, I'm so good. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. So I just started writing and I was with the, you know, the, the internet was, you know, it was like 2002. So the internet was providing more opportunities. I was like, oh, I can sell some of this. So I just started freelance mm-hmm. writing when we came back home. Um, and we've moved several times since. Uh, it was the perfect job as we moved for me to, I just started, it was like a side business that turned into a real thing, you know, and my yeah. main gig has been college football, but awesome. I, and then I wrote the two books and that's been my focus. So that that's how I got into this and that's how I got here. And it's funny because I think God got me right where I was supposed to go, like on the windiest road I could have gotten there on, <laughs> especially with book two, for sure. That's so cool. And it is, isn't it fun to kind of look back and be like, yeah, God definitely was driving that ship because I did not see that happening. Oh, no, no. Oh. And it and allowed me to, you know, really, I'm, you know, I'm at home. And so I'm at home yeah. with my kid, my kids. And I've got one left who's a junior in high school. And it allowed me to, to really have the flexibility to be mom and be employed at the same time. Exactly. So. Exactly. Oh, I love it. And can we just like, can we just talk for a minute about college football and what I love it. I love college football. I love football in general. Right. So where, what are you, are you a writer or a sportscaster? What what do you do? Well, I, I wrote for the bleacher report for four years. I was like, I I covered, I was like a national columnist for college football. And then when the books, when the first book came out, I was like, uh, you know, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I kind of stepped away. I still write a weekly column for a site called fbschedules.com. And I basically analyze college football schedules is my current gig. And I write a week, cool. weekly viewing guide during the week, but I still, and I'm just keeping my foot on the door in the door on that. And uh, that's really one of my true loves is, is okay. college football. And, and then, you know, having somebody pay you to write about it. That's like the dream scenario. <laughs> oh, for real? <laughs> it's almost stupid. It's almost ridiculous. It's you like, know? do they know that they're paying me for how to have fun? Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. So t- the first book real quick, You Cannot Mess This Up, A True Story That Never Happened. Can you tell me a little bit about that for our listeners, what that was about? Right, right. And that's a book idea I had in my head, Jenny, for, you know, many years. I think a lot of people have a book idea in their head. And then basically I love time travel. I love retro everything. I think I'm hilarious. So I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write a back in time book. That's really funny. What I'm going to do is I'm going to write myself back and like be like a random relative that shows up at my childhood home in 1978 at Thanksgiving. And they think I'm in town on some business thing. And I'm Marty McFly kind of. Right, right. I'm like 40 something (laughs) year old mom of two, but I I go back in time and I spend 36 hours in my childhood home with my mom and dad, who are the same age as me in the story, my brother and sister and my freaky deaky 10 year old self. And so I thought I was like, this is going to be so hilarious. And I'm going to get all my Sears catalogs out and write about all this stuff from 1978. And then it turned out, Jenny, that if you're going to write yourself back in time and deal with your parents and your 10 year old fruitcake self, it's going to be feelings.com. So I wrote a catharsis that's funny. And it kind of speaks to how we remember what we would remember as 10 versus what we would see as a 45 year old woman, mother of two. And so it turned out to be, I'm really proud of it because it was a book I never thought that would get published. It was a a story I never thought I would tell. It was very, you know, it's very personal and uh, yeah, but it's a great book. It's funny and it's very, it's super relatable. And uh, 
it, it was it was fun to write. And I think I book two probably wouldn't have happened without the confidence I gained Absolutely. with book number one. Oh, that's so War cool. of God's plan. Yeah. Yeah. That is on my list. I, I cannot wait to read that one. That is exciting. I want to say something to all of my writer friends out there. I know you're listening and most likely I know what you're thinking because I've been there too. Ugh, social media, this necessary evil, this thing that I must do because I have to do my due diligence and yet this constant hamster wheel of trying to produce quality content for these posts that maybe three of your best friends see for like half a second. You're trying to build this platform because that's what they say you're supposed to do. And yet you're just spinning in circles and all of your really good energy that could be used and put towards producing quality content and sharing the message that you know God has placed on your heart. It feels like it's all being wasted on this social media world that is sucking the life out of you. Well, I've got something great I want to tell you about. Two of my real life friends, literally, we have spent a weekend together in a beach house. (laughs) Sandy Cooper and Mary Kay Tiller have put together this beautiful cohort, Writing Off Social. It's a class for writers to learn how to grow without the annoyance of social media. We feel like social media is something we absolutely have to do and there's no other choice if we're a writer and we want to get our message heard. But this course will welcome you to this new, peaceful, sustainable growth pathway that leaves you feeling energized, confident, and focused. Over this course of eight weeks, Sandy and Mary Kay will take you on this incredible, supported journey to help you discover and implement strategies that work best for you without social media. So if you're overwhelmed with all the information and you want to ditch social media, but you don't know how to do that or where to start, This course may be exactly what you're looking for. It begins June 5th. It runs for eight weeks. And because it's very personal and there's lots of one-on-one instruction and coaching provided, the space is limited. So for details about this course, head to writingoffsocial.com slash the dash course. I've got it linked in my show notes. I really hope you'll go and check that out. This could be the beginning of a brand new, refreshing season of growth, joy, and peace in your writing journey. All right, so let's talk about this book. So give us the quick story. I mean, I know the story, but for the readers who are completely, or or readers, (laughs) the listeners who are completely unfamiliar with this book, Dear Dana, tell us what was the launching off for this book? What's the story? Right. Well, Jenny, I was just minding my own business, uh, basically. And I got, uh, I, I worked at a summer camp, I actually met my husband there. Um, and in 1986, I made a girl, I met a girl named Dana, and we spent maybe six weeks together. You know, it was so distant, because it was 30 years on that I don't even really remember mm-hmm. exactly why we liked each other so much. Like we obviously made some kind of special connection. So speed forward to 2013, we had done 30 years, not speaking one word to each other, not seeing each other. I don't think we even had mutual friends on Facebook, Mm -hmm. but you know what? I just, her name was in my head. It would pop up every once in a while. And you know, now, now I know this whole story is about God, but that was God just every once in a while would ping me. And so one, it was 2013 and I went online and I was like, Oh, I wonder what happened with Dana. And so I looked her up on Facebook and there she was. So I friended her and I was shocked when she she accepted my request because I was like, does she remember me? Because mm-hmm. I barely remember her, but I 
remember her for some reason. Yeah. And then right away, I found out she had four daughters and one son. She lived in Louisiana. Um, and I found out right away that the son Parker was at St. Jude battling cancer. Mm -hmm. And so um, I start following the story and she starts asking people for prayer and prayer is my thing. That's what I do. And I was like, okay, I'll pray. And so in the background for the first several months, I just prayed. And then they were going through a, a especially rough treatment at St. Jude. And she asked for specific prayers. And so I Facebook messaged her and just was like, look, you know, I'm praying for you. And she actually responded like two days after, even though her son's having this chemo treatment. And then that was it. We had that, we had that interaction. Then he, he, he went into remission and I did continue to pray, but I didn't pray as hard as I did. And I felt really called to pray for him. Yeah. And so then he relapsed the next year in 2014 <clears throat> and it was in the fall and uh, I read, and she's very, Dana's very like she, she, these big posts with all these words thinking everybody. So I felt like I was really getting to know her through the posts. And she was like, you know, he's relapsed, you know, you could tell, kind of tell it wasn't good. And so I went to church that Sunday and I was like, you know, I'm a writer. And it wasn't even like I said, I know I was, it was like a bolt of lightning. I was like, I'll start writing them letters. Yeah. And so I actually went home and was like, okay. I'll start writing them cards. So I got cards out. I got stamps out. And I was like, where am I going to send this? Yeah, and literally, literally that, that night, she posts this thing about everything she was thankful for about St. Jude. And at the very end, she said, you know, if you want to send a snail mail, here's our address at the Ronald McDonald house. That's and so it was God. just like, boom, I love you know, that. that's what God wants me to do. So I wrote Dana and Parker together mm, for six to eight weeks. Every week I would write a card. They were short. And just saying, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking of you. And uh, then Parker in January of 2015, Parker at only 15, um, passed away. Mm. And really, I, you know, there's no words for that, especially now that I'm that I know Dana as I do. But I went back to church and though it had nothing at all to do with me. You know, I'm a mom like you and it just you know, breaks your heart. Oh, it's your, gosh, yeah. it, it's, it's a thing you don't even want to think of. Mm -mm. You don't even want to let it enter your head. And so I went back to church and I was like, well, God, what do, what do you want me to do? You know, my whole idea was I would keep writing them until they got out of Memphis. Mm -hmm. And so I just got this clear message in the form of feeling. It was like, you know what? Just keep writing the letters. Yeah. So I basically stalked her husband, found his address at his law firm. Because <laughs> I was oh, like, where am I going to? Yeah, because they had left. And you never had any response from her during this time, right? Or did she you? didn't no 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 responses to any of the letters at this so point you've been writing her at the ronald mcdonald house during all this and only way that you're hearing back from her is keeping up with her on facebook right you had not actually heard like any response no no response Don't know how the they're being received. okay and right. then obviously she left the ronald mcdonald house and so that's when you stopped started her <laughs> yeah i stopped her husband and then i started i was just i started sending the letters to him he, i mean to her via his address. And yeah. every week I would share more, but one of the main focuses was I would just talk about prayer and I would talk about how I was praying for them. Cause I really didn't. And then I started, then I started sharing about my own life. And then about, I don't know, three months into that, she Facebook messaged me and my friends call it the cease and desist message. Cause she was like, look, here's my home address. But she also said, and that's in the book, like, you, you'll never know what these letters mean to me, you know, la, 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 here's yeah. my home address. So I started sending the letters to her house. And then about two months after that, on my birthday, I walk out to my mailbox and there's a, there's a letter from Dana, yeah. a handwritten letter. It was about six pages long. She, and that was, 
and, and it was that first letter she started to share about her grief. And then that kicked off this pen pal thing where we did not, we did not have a communication outside of handwritten letters for two years. That's amazing. For, oh, no email addresses, no cell phone numbers, mm. and it just blew up my life. I love that. I love everything about that. And I love how God called you to do something, to write these letters. And the first thought, of course, is oh, I can't, I don't even have an address. Right. You know, and, and whenever he calls us to something, he gives us what we need to do it. And I love that the minute you said, okay, in obedience, he provided you with that next step. The address shows up on Facebook. It's such a God thing, right? That only he is going to put together for us in that way. And I love how that he put that on your heart and calls you to do that before the address was posted, because that just showed, you know, I'm in this, right? If it'd been the That's other way a, around. No, it's a great point because no, I, and I haven't really, I've thought about the timing a lot because I'm really, you know, it really, it's profoundly moving to me that God called me to do this before they lost Parker. The timing is unbelievable. Like you said, though, with me saying, I'm going to do it. I hadn't thought about that way. And then the address being provided me, that is another moment of like, wow, you cannot make that up at all. Exactly. And then, cause there were so many times, Jenny, at the beginning, especially that first four or five months where, cause I'm just a regular girl from Houston trying to stay married. You know, I'm just, a, <laughs> I'm just a regular girl, not trying to mess it all up. But uh -huh. I, you know, there were so many times I would sit down to write her. I was like, what are you doing? But I, it, it was such a strong feeling that I could not stop myself from doing it. And, you know, I was really opening up and I was talking about prayer, talking about getting down on my knees, like to this person who I didn't even really know who she was, you know? Yeah, sure. 30 years. And she was what, like a teenager when you had met her or something? Yeah. She's, she's four years older than me. So she was just finishing at LSU as okay. I was just Early starting 20s. At, yeah. at Texas Tech. So oh, who has she become in 30 years? You don't even know. Well, and, and who am I? Like when she's getting these letters going, what? And then the other element is you've, you've lost your son. Oh, so God. let me, let me, let me write you a letter every week. Like that's <laughs> sheer, like, craziness you yes. know like I, am I is this a diversion is a is it a hindrance is it a like you're nuts and I I question myself so hard but all I can oh, say I can is imagine God just put it so hard I mean it was so big on my heart it was like I had no choice it was like this is what I'm gonna do and in everything associated with this story and this book has been like a mission like yeah. I like I am unsure of about 98 percent of what I'm doing except for this <laughs> I love it I love it. Oh gosh. It is so your tenacity is what I keep thinking. That word keeps coming. You were so tenacious and you kept going and you kept pursuing and you kept going after it, not really knowing, you know, you were doing your part. You were walking in obedience. Don't know how it's going to be received, you know, but oh my gosh, the beauty of that. And there are several like thoughts and questions I have that come from this story. And I don't know how, if there's a specific order you like to tackle all of this, or if there's more you want to sh share about this before I kind of ask a few specifics. Well, I can go on to the next part of the story if that's yeah, what please, you want me to do. Please do. That'd be and great. Then can... And then we can revisit. Yeah, let's right. do that. Well, then, you know, Jay, I, 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 I guess I was about six months into writing Dana. Um, and I thought, man if God can do this with this random girl from Louisiana with all these kids, you know, I mean, if God can blow up my, my life, because our sharing was profound both ways. Is there something very special about 
letter writing. We can talk about that because it gives you this free space that you wouldn't have otherwise. And here I am, she's sharing with me, I'm sharing with her in a way we've never shared with anyone in these letters. And we don't even know, like, I don't know if she's a Republican or Democrat. I don't know what she really <laughs> believes. I knew from her post that, because when you ask for prayers, then you know that she's a believer. Sure. And, and sure. but I didn't know specifically which, I don't know what church she goes to. Mm -hmm. And none of that really mattered in these letters. We just trusted each other because of the way this played out. But it was so profound to me. I was so moved by what happened with Dana. I was like, if God can do that, yeah. what happens if I write all the Facebook people a letter? Yeah. And then so, Crazy. and I, I know. And I don't really even think I thought I was really going to do it. I don't know. I like big ideas. Yeah, but, yeah. So I basically got an Excel spreadsheet, put everyone's name in it. I printed oh it gosh. out and took, took, took scissors and cut all these out. I shoved them in a box. I bought some stationery. I oh. got a journal and I was like, here's the plan. And I wrote down exactly what I was going to do. And again, it was like, I was, I mean, it's absolutely God, but it was like, I was on this other plane of, you know, being. And so then I sat down that first day and I drew out this girl's name from camp and I was like, Oh no, I get, now I got to write this girl a letter. <laughs> and that started it. And so I started, it was one letter a day for a while and then became two letters. And it took me, I have the exact uh, time, 21 months. Wow. And I wrote 580 Facebook friends. Oh my God. Red letter. And you talk about having love and you know, seeing God's hand in all of your life and through all these connections and how everything is so, it was so engineered so intentionally and so deliberately by God, all these relationships. And th I had so many takeaways that I was about mm, 400 letters into writing the letters that I was like, oh my God, I have a book, not because I want to sell a million books, but yeah. because God gave me the story. He put me in this story mm. and, you know, I get to tell it. And so the book takes it starts with Dana and I's pen palling and it has her words and me telling the story about that. And then it goes into the Facebook letters and it highlights 50 or so of those. And it weaves those two stories together. And you just kind of watch the whole thing play out in other people's words and my words. And it's, you know, it turned out I'm proud of it. It's a, it's a beautiful story of hope, but it's really God's love, you know, in 580 mailboxes and it's just oh, like the, the whole world blowing up all around yeah. me. And it's just my family and I's lives. It just, it just changed us. And we reunited with Dana and her family in purpose, but pers in person, we're BFFs now. Um, you know, we went on this incredible book journey together. Um, it's, it's, it's an amazing story. Oh, I love it. I love it. So where did you get all those addresses? <laughs> that's a great question. And that, that's the first question a lot of people ask. And I had about 40% of the addresses on Christmas card lists or, um, you know, previous, you know, you know, whatever. But, you know, the first thing I would do if I was going to write you, Jenny, I would look for a work address if I didn't have your address. Like if you were a teacher or, or you worked at, you know, you know, Ernst and Young or whatever, I can find you that way. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I didn't realize when I started it. I didn't really want to compromise the element of surprise because the letters had such a profound impact on people. And I didn't yeah. understand that that was going to happen. I was not intending to really do anything, but just do what I was felt like I was supposed to do. But so the, my last, I would stalk people. That was like choice three, you know, and then my, my last ditch effort was I would Facebook message you and say, what your address? what's your address? And probably 98% of those people. And you think about that, there's a trust when you give me your physical address and I give you mine, especially in our social media world. Yes. So I had several people question it, but I don't, I think I probably had uh, five or six letters that never got mailed, but I, back to your whole, 
which is the other really interesting thing about your comment about I didn't have the address when I, the Ronald McDonald address, when I decided to write Dana. And maybe that's what led to my idea that I would write the letter before I would find the address because then I couldn't get out of writing the letter. Yes, yeah. And tying those two together, Jenny, I don't, I feel like that's one of the reasons I'm talking to you today because I'm going to have to sit and think about that in the other yeah. room after we get off. So. Oh, absolutely. It's just one more level of God's grace and providence in our lives that right. like, oh my gosh, even there, you know, it's right. Oh, I love it. I love it. I would love for you to talk a little bit about the slowness or I'm sorry, the shallowness of social media relationships. I often, I like to say that social media has made us less social. <laughs> you know, it's like we're more right. anti-social as a society because of social media. It seems like now we don't even want to, oh, the other day I was on my phone and I'm sure I'm not exactly tech savvy, but I was trying to make a reservation and check a wait time at a restaurant. Right. And I was on Google maps or whatever. And I found the restaurant and it had a little thing, check wait time. So I thought I could click it and it would tell me the wait time. Well, when I clicked it, it said, okay, a Google assistant is going to call the restaurant and then text you what the restaurant oh my, says. That's hilarious. Like I could have called the restaurant and the time it took me to click, it was so funny. I'm like, and now I'm wait, this is weird, you know, right. but I feel like obviously there's some good things to it. Clearly you and Dana could not have connected over all the years and the miles and everything. And, and you wouldn't have point. known. Yeah. So many good things still, but the difference between like your handwritten letter and that connection versus a social media connection where we say we're friends. Right. You know, right. talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, a couple examples about that topic is that, you know, I realized that I, because of the shallowness, because of the nature, and I, I think it's important to say that we, as human beings on social media, aren't shallow, that the nature of social media is, yes. is shallow, you know, and, and, and I think it lends us to not be shallow, but to look at the word relationship completely differently than we would have before social media. Because yes. there were so many times, Jenny, and this is what's so relatable about this story. If we looked at your friends list, there were so many people I didn't have in the right category. I'm like, oh, I went to high school with them. And then I would sit down to write the letter. And the first thing I would always do is go look like, go hard dive in the profile. And that sounds like stalking, but it wasn't because you, when you're looking for something there. that, <laughs> yeah, when you're looking for something to say to somebody in a letter and yeah. to connect with them in a way, so many times I was like, oh no, that's this. No, I met this person at that place. Huh. You know, I, and, and I didn't really know, I didn't understand the, like what these people did. Like I had so many people who had done so many extraordinary things and I had no appreciation for that at all. That these, yeah. and this sounds so, it sounds so simple, but over and over again, I was like, these are real people with real lives. And then mm -hmm. when I would reach out to them, because the letters turned into this, because when you think about what you would say, I would always say, here's why I'm doing this. And then I would, you know, say, what do you say? Like, here's points that were connected. Like, I remember you, Jenny, from junior high school, and that was yeah. awesome. You know, but then you, the next thing that I think, and it's just natural in, in the letter writing process, I would immediately think of, uh, well, you remember that time that my mom got sick, Jenny, and you, you really helped me out through that. You helped, you prayed for me through that. You prayed through my mom or when I went through this. So it was this grateful, this, all of a sudden I started expressing gratitude to these people. Mm. It was just natural. And mm. over and over again, I was like, look at all these people in my life. And they're amazing people. They're missionaries. They're, 
their school principals, they're, you know, they adopted all these kids, they're, you know, they're uh, successful executives. I have one girl who was, you know, on America's Ninja Warrior, which I thought was so oh, cool, wow. you know, and a guy <laughs> yeah. who'd won an Emmy or an Oscar for some, you know, technical stuff. And, yeah. over, and, and then to be able to tell those people those things and just, it, I had so many things to say. I had no idea I had so much to say. I needed extra pages in the letter. But I think that speaks that we look at these people their profile and their comments and the, we, that's how we define them but when you write a letter to somebody it makes them a flesh and blood it's like a transformation this process that happens you become flesh and blood to them and they become flesh and blood to you and yeah. it's a magical thing and who would ever thought that a letter with a little stamp on it could have could have done that I, I think it's all God's love you know but that that's the vehicle he used um to, to, to do that. So I don't know if that answers the question, but no, it's good. It's so good. I love it because, you know, you can get this false sense of actually knowing someone because mm -hmm. you're friends and massive quotation marks on Facebook. And, you know, have you ever had that like really uncomfortable experience when you introduce you to someone yourself to someone they're like oh I know who you are we're friends on Facebook <laughs> it's like right no oh, that's awkward you know or even worse you walk up to somebody like you know them and they don't know who you are it's because you've been watching them on Facebook <laughs> no it's it's and there's a great letter in the book because the book includes a lot of letters from other people and and, she, and it's a friend of mine from high school and she said she was uncomfortable because she was she had friended a guy who she worked with his wife and and she saw him at a party she was like all of a sudden I know more about her than I should and she yes. was and and that's that's another thing that's great about the book it's got a lot of other people's words and their their takes on social media and a lot of their takes on social media are the things the takeaways for me that I learned the most from mm -hmm. so it um no for sure we we think we know people better than we do and that's the other thing people would write because they felt so special in getting the letter even though I told them everyone's getting a letter. Everybody's like, oh, you picked me. I'm like, no, the, the name just came out of the box. You know, and I was clear to every, I was clear that everyone was getting a letter. You get a letter, was, you get a letter. You that's get right. A it's like, it's like Oprah's birthday club. And, and but, um, you know, they would share things like you, you, I realized over and over again, like one guy had lost his mom and his wife and his uncle in the same year. Oh, one geez. girl had just gotten diagnosed with, um, anxiety disorder and they were sharing all these things one guy yeah. just found out his girlfriend was pregnant and hadn't told anyone they were sharing all this stuff with me because they huh. felt like I was their real friend because that's what I was I was doing something that a real friend would do that was exactly. overwhelming but at the same time over and over again I realized I don't really know what's going on with any of these people any more than they know what's going on with me because we assume so much yes and we compare ourselves and for the most part we're probably doing that on a plane of so many assumptions, not mm -hmm. untruths, but so many assumptions that are not just simply not factual. Sure. Sure. Oh, that's so good. And I love, you know, again, it makes me think whenever God calls us to do something, we have to believe and know that he's not just working on our heart. He's working on the other side of that story as well. So there is I'm no doubt countless times that your obedience to write these letters, even if it didn't like make a lot of sense when they were received, I cannot imagine how many of those people, it was exactly what they needed in that moment. Like That's, you, and that, and to be a part of that, I mean, to, yeah. for me to have been a part of that is so humbling, mm -hmm. you know, but, but Jenny, so many times, and again, I have this little box and it actually said on the top of the box, it said, I think there's a picture of it on my website. It said, 
God's love, this is not about you. Because that's what I learned from Dana. I learned yeah. from Dana that I learned a lot from Dana, but mm -hmm. I've learned, I learned though that, you know, God was using me and I knew that. And I still know that mm -hmm. even though I can't really do anything for her, but um, over and over again, I pull people's names out. And when they got their letter, they would tell me over and over again, it came at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. And that, it, that's all about God mm -hmm. using some messed up girl with bad hair. Yeah. And I was living in Ohio at the time, trying not to be cold, pulling names out of the thing, just, you know, just living a normal life. And yeah. there's so much hope in that though, because, and, and, and I think it's important to also frame this in, I was absolutely listening to God, but God, it was all God's idea. God, God gave me, God compelled me in a way that gave me no choice. You know, I, and I wasn't even looking for it. Sure. And it, it was all just going on what I instinct that God gave me. That's what it was, but it's all got a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Oh man. So I'm sure that the biggest excuse that most of us would immediately respond when we hear what you're saying was, you know, Oh, that'd be nice, but I just don't have enough time. Right. right? I have no doubt that is what all of us would immediately think. That was the immediate thought I had when you said you did this. I'm like, Oh, but I am no doubt that I have more time than probably a lot of other people, <laughs> but I'm sure that no matter where we are in our lives, that is going to be that initial gut reaction to right. that. You know, so what would you do? What would be your challenge to the woman listening? Who's thinking maybe they should try something like this, right? Something God's maybe called, even if it's just something else God has called them to do, but they're, I don't have time. I don't have time, but it's cause it sounds like such a huge commitment. What would you right. say to that? Well, I think that, and I like what you said about whatever it is you're compelled to do, because I think it's important, you know, important that nobody has to go write 580 letters. That's ridiculous. And I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, I, and I'm the one who did it. You know, I think it's life changing, but ridiculous. But I think, you know, the, the way I wrote 580 letters is I wrote one letter a day, yeah. or I wrote a half a letter a day. And, you know, I, as far as the letter writing, I'll take that first. As far as if you feel compelled to send someone a card, and I would encourage your listeners to do that because it is absolutely amazing how it feels to put an envelope in a mailbox and then wonder what happens next, you know, but buy, you can go to Target and they've got little boxes of small cards. You don't have to write anything more than seven sentences. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to say, I, I, I wouldn't even, I would encourage you not to have a plan when you sit down to write a card. Just, just think of somebody who, who you wanted to reach out to because we all have those people on our hearts. You sit down, you write it, you find the address afterwards and you drop it in. But there's no rules about what you're supposed to say or how many lines you're supposed to write. It's just, and then and just send it out there with no expectations and see what happens. And do one card a week, do one card for the rest of your life and then see what happens and see what God wants to do with it. But as far as, you know, so that's the letter writing part of it. I think that if you want to do that, and I think, you know, Facebook messages are great and emails are great. And if that's how you want to reach out, that makes a difference too, absolutely. I, I'm so blown away by the impact of a handwritten letter. And I think if you can do that, that that will be more beneficial to you as the sender than you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, but but beyond all of that, beyond all the communication stuff, you know, I think that, you know, stepping out there and saying, you know, I feel like this what God is calling me to do. And that takes courage because, you know, other people are going to find out about it. And what if they don't think that's what God's, you know, talking to you about, but, 
you know, if you can bravely step out there and do one thing and take one small step, I mean, you, like you said, on both sides of the equation, you could be on your way to changing one person, to changing 100 people, to changing 500 people. And we all hear that every day. Yeah. I think the other thing we can do as women is to encourage each other, is to share these ideas. Maybe before you take that first step, you share it with your BFF or your Bible study group or whoever it is you're hooked in with. You know, we encourage each other, whether that's our idea or what we feel compelled to do, you know, because we are, we do compare each other as especially as women on social media, but mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, you got to go do that and be mm-hmm. the encourager. Maybe that's our role to be yeah. the encourager. Cause I had a best friend through this whole thing, Mary Barr in Dayton, Ohio, who we would go to Panera. And I was like, Mary, I cannot write another letter. And she was like, <laughs> are you serious? You have to keep writing these letters. This oh, is blowing awesome. up, you know? And that's so maybe awesome. that, maybe, maybe that's our role as the encourager. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. And just taking it's, you know, like, like the old saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? It's like right. doing whatever you can do at the right. time, even if it's little bitty chunks, you know, if you take an ax and you hit a tree once a day, right. eventually it's going to fall, <laughs> right? right? You can't right. chop it all down in one day, yeah. right? And you can say, I, I got 15 minutes to commit to this, yeah. you know, and, and it reminds me of working out, you know, the same kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. but really, if you give 10 minutes, I'm going to, I'm going to send a text to somebody. I'm going to, whatever your idea is, give it 10 minutes, give it 15 minutes. And then, then you, then you let it go. I mean, at the beginning of this project, I mean, it was, I was going every other day writing a letter. I felt guilty about not writing the letters. I went through all those emotions that that we would all go through, you know, and let yourself experience that too. Cause I think if God's in it, then you're going to keep doing it anyway. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, even if it's, if it's writing a book, if it's, you know, whatever that is, just right. taking that step of obedience, just a little bit each day, you know, or right. whatever it does to, that's so good. And I, what I loved, I heard you say when you were on, um, Molly Stillman's show, which was a great interview that was you and Dana, right? Right. Right. That, that was great. That was really fun. I'll, I'll link to that one. Um, that was hilarious. <laughs> I love listening to that. But one of the things I loved that you said, you said that you felt like you and Dana shared so much more freely in writing than maybe you would have through any other method of communication. Right. And you said that the paper just provided, I loved your wording here, such an open space for that. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Just that power of just seeing that paper, the paper and pen versus a screen or whatever. Right. And I think that, you know, when you write somebody a letter, there's a lot of different angles to this, but for, for one thing I didn't realize is that if I write you, Jenny, I don't know when or if you ever received that letter. So first of all, that frees me from worrying about what you're going to think about what I'm going to say, because mm-hmm. I don't know if you got it. I don't know if you ever read it, you know? And so then the inherent nature of the mail means that you could have sent me a letter when I already sent you a letter. And so all of a sudden we don't feel like we have to reply to everything that you said Whereas in a text or a email, I'm like, oh, I said that to you and you didn't respond. (laughs) So part of of the free space is you're operating in this vacuum where you can't know when someone's reading it, if they're reading it or what they think of it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is you're sitting there by yourself with a piece of paper and a pen. And and once you get going, you can say whatever you want to because there's not someone sitting there right in front of you. You know, so you're free to say whatever you, you want to, and you, uh, you know, it, it, all of a sudden you start looking at your life from the outside in, cause you're writing about it. You know, I, over and over again, I, I still write Dana 
every week. She writes me back about twice a month and it's therapeutic for me. She's like, dear diary. And she'll tell you, she'll say that. She'll like, yeah. oh my God, you got to stop <laughs> with the eight page letters. But, uh, but this week I wrote about one of my kids that something I was struggling about. And I was like, oh, it just makes more sense to me now that I put it on paper to someone yeah. who I care about, who, who, you know, who I trust. But, but the other thing is, you know, she shared a lot about her grief and she, and she will tell you that what was so powerful was, you know, when they were grieving Parker, you know, they were grieving as a family, as a couple, her and Jim, as a, as a family, the, the four daughters. And she said, you know, she thinks one of the things that God provided her with was me, this, you know, whoever I was and, and the, you know, over, you know, in the random mist. outsider <laughs> yeah, and on the other side of the mountain in Ohio, she, you know, but she said she didn't want to bring the room down if she was having a bad day. You know, you don't want your daughters and your husband who are having, you know, if somebody looks up. So she used me. She shared about her grief because I was a free space in that way. I wasn't expecting anything from her. She, mm -hmm. I, you know, she didn't need to try to take care of me. I was just and I think that's what God that's one of the reasons God kicked off the letter writing to start with, because I felt like I was the worst person to receive anyone's grief. Like, what do I do with that? But it turns out because of God, yeah. I was the perfect person because I was this anonymous mailbox person is who yeah. I was yeah you know? I love and, that yeah and the trust we developed between each other was very intimate because we didn't know each other but we just trusted each other because she would say stuff like well I haven't shared this one with anybody else but I know I can trust you yeah who says that in a letter to someone they don't really even know it's because you're not gonna writing... tell anybody <laughs> yeah you know, the writing back it's a sacred space I told her that in my letter Sunday I was like within the sacred space page with the sacred space in these pages. Yeah. I can say whatever I want to. Mm -hmm. so. That's a beautiful thing. And I, I do, I love that she was able to let everything be raw and real with you because with others close to her, although of course they want to be real with each other. She, you know, you run the risk of shaking the emotional healing of those around you who are right. too close to the situation. And so for her to have someone further removed that in her darkest, deepest, hardest moments, she can completely let it all out without shaking anybody else's healing. I think that is incredible. I think it's some, an aspect that maybe we don't think about. And that's actually one other thing I wanted to ask you, because I want you to talk a little bit more about how to walk alongside a friend who's going through such a dark season of grief, because that is so hard. And I feel like people either, they say a lot of really dumb stuff. <laughs> they don't know what to say. And sometimes they shut down and don't say anything at all. And then the person grieving feels like they don't care when really it's not that they don't care. It's like, they don't know what to say, or they don't right. want to upset them. And I'd love to hear a little bit from you about walking through a season with a friend like that. Right. And I've learned and everything I'm going to tell you, Jenny, is what I've learned from Dana. Yeah. This is, you know, and we actually just did a little interview that I'll send you when it gets um, published where she speaks um, about this. And this is, you okay. know, the hard thing for me is now this person is my best friend, like my sister, you sure. know, my pen pal, my divine connection, like all those things, you know, and, but what, what I will say, what I've learned from Dana, because I will say, I, like everyone else, you do not know what to do with someone who lost a child. I had the ramp up of being in the letters, but I even felt like, I even felt like then, like, I don't know what to do, even in the letters. I knew I didn't know anything about grief. So I, I tried not to tell her about her grief. I just talked about praying. But I will say that what I've learned from Dana is being present 
you know, being available is more important than, than your words. You know, the only thing I've ever heard her say that, that people shouldn't say, and she's a believer. The only thing <clears throat> I think that people want to fill, some people don't know what to say, like you said, and they shut down, but some people want to fill the room with conversation. And I, and I think where you have to tread lightly is to try, especially when you're talking to the mother of someone who's lost a, a, a young child, is that to, in, is to frame that as part of, you know, God's plan or, or, you know, God took them right when they were supposed to, because even, and I have to, it's very delicate for me, because even if, let's say, and I'm not speaking about Dana here, but in your heart of hearts, you believe in God's plan, you would never want to acknowledge that that was part of God's plan. You'd never want it to be like, you know, because, because that, that trust between the, the parent and God has got to have been fractured in this because you think about somebody who's prayed for their child to live and their prayers and that and the child has died what does that do to your prayer life jenny you know what does that do to your relationship and i think that can be that can you can rebound from that and that can come back but that process is 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 horrible and you know tragic so i think it, it, you have to be careful not to say <clears throat> too much not to say you know this is this is, you know, this is all part of the plan. God took him exactly when he, sh sh he should have taken him because it's offensive, especially if you have living children, you know, that didn't die. I think that's hard. Yeah. But I think the thing that I learned from her the most is you can just sit there and say nothing. And that's absolutely fine. You can be present. You can continue to show up, you know, and you can say you're sorry. You can say it's horrible. You can say that over and over again because it's so important. And the other thing we can say, Jenny, is we can say the person's name that passed. And this is something I've really seen with them. Mm -hmm. They love it when you bring up Parker. They want, one of the reasons, you know, when I wrote this book, I felt so called to do all this, but I was like, do I really write about these people losing their son? Do I really have a book published with this poor mother talking about losing this precious child? Am I really going to you know, capitalize on the story. And that's how yeah, I felt a lot, sure. a lot of absolutely. guilt. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the way I tried to handle it was I, she read the manuscript before my husband did, you know, I gave her a red pen said, we can cut whatever you want to cut. Mm -hmm. Her husband read it next. Mm -hmm. They were both like, no, hundred percent. We want to read it. Cause this book is talking about Parker. This mm -hmm. book honors Parker. And I, that, and that humbles me to the point that I don't even know what to do. But my point is talk about, talk about like, tell funny stories about the kid two years later, three years later, they don't want, these people don't want to be forgotten, but more than they don't want to be forgotten. They don't want their, their child, their sister, their husband. And, you know, all of us have been touched in some way by grief, you know, and I think that the, the things I can say and what I've learned from data is be present, you know, continue to reach out. Even if you don't want, know what to say, you, you don't have to say, say you're praying for them. Say you'll never stop praying for them. Mm -hmm. Say you're sorry. Say it sucks. You know, I'd be careful, like I said, how you frame that just with the parent in regardless of what you think or what you believe. I mean, those things are important. But when you're dealing with this person who is so, you know, just absolutely crushed, you know, in, in a way that we can't understand, you just have to be careful with that. But but sit next to him in silence. Mm -hmm. and let them talk to you. And that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just showing up and being there and, and, and seeing them, let them know that you see them and you see what's going on, not acting right. like it didn't happen. Right. That's so good. And I, I like what you said about, you know, even though we know 
God's plans and his ways are perfect and he's always in control and he works all things out to good for those who love the Lord. And, you know, but in that moment and in that grief and in that pain and that spot, it's like Proverbs talks about a word fitly spoken. And so sometimes those, those truths, though they are true and they are powerful and they can be helpful. I think it's that the person in their grief has to arrive at that on their own with the Lord. Right. Like, like, like God, let God do that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe let, maybe let God do and pray and pray how you can be a part of getting their prayer life back. You know, yeah. I've told yeah. Dana for a long time that as she struggled to pray, you know, that's what I'm for. Yeah. I'll pray for your stuff. You know, Amen. you don't even have to tell me because God knows what your stuff is. I'll pray Amen. for it for you. You know, and that, that, that's, and what, a, what an honor and how humbling is, is that, but we, we can do that for each other. You know, and I think the other thing that I've seen is that, you know, reach out a year later. It's never too late. And that's the great thing about these Facebook letters. You know, you've seen people on Facebook or in, on social media who've lost somebody and you never reached out and said anything. Hmm. The, the Facebook letter story over and over again tells us that it's never too late to say something. So hmm. many people on the letters, I was like, you know, you lost your mom last year. I should have sent you a card, but I am so sorry. And people responded so strongly to that because it's never too late. And so on one hand, I learned from Dana that people still reach out. They're seven or eight years in. People still reach out and it still means so much to them. So it's never too late to send a casserole. It's never too late to send flowers or a card. It's never too late. And and, and the great hope is we're all operating in God's timing. So if you get the timing, if you get the inkling to do it now, three years after, there's a reason for that. Because there's people sitting there right now still grieving that may need to hear from you. And I think that initial onslaught, and she'll she'll tell you this, Dana will tell you this, is so important. But the aftermath becomes even yes. more profoundly important. Yes. yes, when it starts to get quiet and everyone goes back to their normal lives and your life is not normal and you're supposed to find a new normal, right? And I, I've, yeah, I, I've experienced that to some degree. I've, I've experienced that with some friends. It's just like once everything gets quiet and the casseroles stop showing up, you know, and the right. people start stop pouring in and everything is kind of done. And now it's time to move on. What does that even look like? And it gets so isolating, right? And, right. and, and alone and people forget to keep reaching out. And I love that. And actually, it's so funny because this is exactly one of the last questions I had for you that I wanted you to kind of speak to was what would you say to the person who feels like they need to touch base with a friendship that's been lost due to time or miles or what have you, and they want to reconnect, but they just don't know how to get started. And they don't feel like they have the words or the courage to do that. And even, even apart from, you know, from grief or, or those situations, just a friendship that either got strained or just got lost and it's on their heart, but they're like, how it's been so long. You know, how right. do I even begin? And they're afraid. Right. Well, I, I think this is where the card or letter is a perfect play. Because, you know, Jenny, the great thing about a letter or a card is it's not intrusive. You know, it, it, that free space I talked about, you can send somebody four lines mm. and put your email address at the bottom. You know, you can find their address or you can ask your mother for it or your cousin, or you can talk them or you can ask for it. You know, all that stuff we talked about at the beginning, but it's not intrusive and people don't feel like they have to respond to a card or letter. They might, but they, they don't feel like they have to. And so I think that's the perfect 
like five to six sentence play, or maybe you get paper and shove it in the card after because then you had more stuff to say than <laughs> than you than you thought you did. But yeah. it's not intrusive because honestly, they can act like or they could not have ever gotten it. Yeah. But it's 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 dropping, it's dropping it out, it's putting it out there mm-hmm. and, and with no expectations. Mm-hmm. And then if, if God wants to use that to reconnect you, that then then that will happen. But but that I think it's a perfect way to touch somebody to restart with someone who um, you're not sure what you, what you want to do with, you know, you want to say something to them, but you don't want to, I think it's just completely non-intrusive because you know, if you get on Facebook messenger, you'll see their little face will pop up when they receive yes. it. Yes, and a lot I of people's that. texts, it can say <laughs> sent. And those are great things when we're trying to communicate, you know, they're, they're real advantages and we can be in touch with a whole lot of people at yep. one time, but it's also very isolating. But, but it, that one little card from target, just mm-hmm. send it mm-hmm. and, and don't, and do not be afraid. Cause I, I, I there's no way it's going to not be, well received and whether you hear back from them or not you just pray about that yeah you took your step of obedience and then you can let it go with the letter right (laughs) right and there's a there's a reason and you know this and your listeners all know this but there's a reason you're having that feeling i had a feeling i'll get online and be friends with dana Mm-hmm. Look, look now, and I'm not speaking to the success of my book. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not speaking to anything except for I'm on this incredible journey that, that God put me on that connects me with people like you and your listeners, you know, and what I mean, it's an absolute testament to God's love for us, you know, and his intention for us to be connected with each other. You know, and, and to, you know, and to, and I think, you know, Facebook's a great place, a jump off point for real relationship, you know, and, uh, and that's, what we can do, we can use it to jump off because we're connected to all those people, but you know, what can we do to go beyond that? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so good. So good. I am so thankful that you took the time to talk about this. Obviously the book is going to be linked to, and where do you like to send people to get the book? Well, I like. I'm a real proponent of independent bookstores. You know, there's a website called Bookshop. It's not as convenient as uh, Amazon, but it will it will make sure your book is bought. You know, the book is bought by, you know, you're going to purchase it, you know, through a, a, a network of, of bookstores. You can oh, go to your book. You can go to your local book. So that's bookshop.org.com. It's, okay, it, there's a link on there's a link on my website for both books to Bookshop. Oh, cool. And then there's links to my favorite bookstores on there too but if you have a local bookstore they're not going to have dear dana sitting there i mean they could i mean i, I if they do please please uh, go to my go to my facebook author page and let me know because it's you know bookstores are a dying breed but you can go in and ask for it and they'll order it for you because you can get it anywhere books are sold i mean you can absolutely get it on amazon barnes and noble you can get it all those places it's available on audible it's available you know kindle itunes wherever you get your books it's available you know but if you want to support a small bookshop you know, it's a dying breed that, 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 that would be my recommendation. You know, I like, that. I like that. We'll link to that. I hadn't heard of that bookshop. We'll find it. Org or com. That is cool. Is there anything else about the book or about the story that we didn't touch on that you are just dying to, to share or wanted to make sure that we hit? Well, I, the, I guess one other thing I'd say that I, that I do like to say is that, you know, one of my biggest takeaways from writing all these letters to all these people, you know, I wrote to a lot of people and this was all written 
a lot of it was written during the 2016 presidential election campaign when we were so fractured. Mm-hmm. You know, I love I wrote to a lot of people, Jenny, who do, don't believe the same things that I believe and and or maybe have a different variation. You know how that is sure. on sure. Our, on belief systems or didn't live the same kind of lifestyle I lived or didn't mm-hmm. have the same politics I had, you know, but I found out over and over again. That, and I think this is all God's love and everybody can frame this however they want to frame it. You know, I mean, I'm talking to people who don't believe the same thing I believe, but over and over again, I realized that, you know, if I reach out to you, you know, and then let's say we have completely different belief, politics or whatever separates us. And then you reach out back to me and nothing but goodwill is on the line. Like we just want to say you yeah. are important in my life. I love you, you're valued, you're loved. And then you return that to me, you know, suddenly those things that separate us start to dissipate. Now they still matter when we live, you know, they absolutely matter. But I think it is the definition of God's love. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's, and you know, God, you know, gives us the definition of, of love that we don't rejoice in unrighteousness, you know, all those things, you know, we can still express love despite our differences, you know, yeah. and I think that's part of a story that I feel called to share, you know, especially where we're at right now as a culture. And again, I'm not saying that doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. I, what I believe matters to me greatly, sure. but, but, you know, it does not mean we cannot be connected. And I think God has us connected to people who are different than us for a reason. Absolutely. And I think, and I think in, in a lot of ways, we're standing in our own way here, not letting those connections happen and not having mm. to be able to share his love. And I, 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 I say in the book, you know, with the letters themselves, you know, th- that was God's love in 580 mailboxes, whether people believed it or not. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if you believed in God's love or not. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And what a great thing to be able to share that regardless of what anyone believes or yeah. thinks, you know, and it's, it's, that to me is one of the more powerful parts of the message. So thank you for letting me share that. Absolutely. I love that. I love that so much. Uh, I always end the episodes with some specific questions for everyone. And the first one is always, do you have a life verse or a verse that is especially bringing you life right now? Oh yeah. I, I have a verse. I'm so happy you asked me this. I had a, <laughs> I had a verse taped on my computer through this entire process <laughs> through praying for Dana, through, um, writing the letters, because again, I was sitting in Ohio, not knowing what was going on out there. And do you want me to read the verse? Yes, or? please. Bring okay. it it's second Corinthians four eighteen. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mm-hmm. And this speaks so much to my story, to me and Dana's story, because, you know, I couldn't see, we can't see where our we live in such a world where everything's so visual. We can see everything through the internet, but I didn't know where my letters to Dana were going. She didn't know about mine. I, you know, I couldn't, the prayers, you can't see those going out through the prayer net, you know, <laughs> the international, yeah. you know, network yeah. of praying. You, could, yeah. you couldn't see any of that. And she didn't know it's in the book. I, I had this whole prayer team for, she didn't know any of these people. She couldn't see any of those, you know, but, but, you know, but what was unseen, you know, was heard of all the things that happen in the unseen world, you know, about, I don't know what percentage of our world that goes on that we can't see, but is so real, you know, right. prayer, God's love for us, the word, all those things. And so I, if this, that verse, I had that sticky note on my monitor of my computer through, and when I moved, I took it off through this entire process. That's, I think that's the verse that 
links the most with this part of the story. Not the only verse, but one good one. Absolutely. Thank you. That's great. That is so great. So we already said where we can find your book. Do you have a practical or simple tip you'd like to share with our listeners about intertwining their walk with the Lord in their everyday lives? And it can be serious. It can be funny. It can be totally unrelated to the book. It can be your life, what you do with your kids, whatever. Any thoughts there? Well, the only th- I mean, my focus right now, I feel like God's telling me is that I'm, I'm trying to be live in a world of thankfulness where I'm thankful and I just stop and say, oh, thanks for Jenny today, you know, and then when I, when I pray at the end of the day, I try to think of what I was thankful for. I do it again the next morning, but I, even more so in the moment, like I'm thankful for Jenny. I'm thankful for your listeners. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for this opportunity. You know, I'm thankful that I have a, it's a small world cup from Disneyland, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm thankful my kid gets home from school at one o'clock so we can hang out this afternoon, mm-hmm. you know, and just trying to be thankful in every moment. And I think that just, I mean, and you know this, but <laughs> that just reminds us of who's in charge. And I, that's really served me well in this specific season of my life. So good. So good. Thank you so much. And where can my people find you? Where can we connect with you? Well, I've got a website. What's your and- address? No. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a good question. Um, amydaughters.com, you know, got both books and links to buy them. Um, I have a Facebook author page. Okay. I'm on Instagram. It's like smoking hot Amy S, you know, I love it. Love <laughs> Again, it. my kids are like, mom, you're out of control. Like, I'm so attractive though. I mean, I'm, like, like, the, I'm, like, I'm like the hottest 55 year old in Texas. I can clearly. see my daughter rolling her eyes at me and doing that. I'm like, what? I'm cool. Yeah. I'm hot. What? <laughs> yeah, my son was like, quit hashtagging hot girl summer. I'm like, what? That's me. I'm, are you serious? I'm the, I'm the, I'm a size 12 girl living a size six life. Oh, That's, you know. <laughs> It's all about what's in your head, Jenny. Oh, see the things that are unseen. and <laughs> That's right. That's right. It all goes that, back to the verse. It does go back to the verse. It's, what I see in my mind is a 34-year-old <laughs> size six. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for just taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for walking in obedience when you started this whole journey, because obviously it is touching so many lives, even beyond the 581 counting Dana <laughs> that you yeah. touched. And I'm, I'm excited to see where this continues to go. Well, well, me too. And I, and I appreciate you having, having me on, you know, I'm on a mission to you know, share the story because that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do. But thank you. And I think God connected us, you know, obviously, and I feel connected to you. And I really humbly appreciate sincerely the opportunity to talk to you today. It really means, I mean, it means a lot. I mean, it's, you know, so thank you for listening to God because I think that's why I'm on this show. Absolutely. Hey friend, if you enjoyed this episode and you got some good stuff out of it, there's a few options you have. One, you could click that little subscribe button because let's be honest, who's got time to remember to check back and see if there's a new episode, right? So click that subscribe button and then when a new episode comes up, it will just by the magic of the internet pop up in your Dropbox and it'll be right there for you whenever you're ready. And also, if you would review this podcast, Oh my gosh, if you like what you heard, get on there, give it a five-star review. If you didn't like what you heard, just pretend it never happened, okay? (laughs) But if you would do um, a review for me, just take a couple seconds and do that. Not only would I be crazy excited, but also it would just be a great way for us to partner together 
for you to help this podcast be seen by more women out there. And you could be a part of helping more women discover these practical ways to apply God's word to just everyday stuff. So I would love it, love it, love it if you could help me out in one of those two ways. Thank you.